looking forward to talking about some IP review problems and a pretty solid show as well. Well, on the positive side, I don't think we're going to have any more IP review problems. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it certainly does not appear to be the case anymore with uh, no lo- uh, with Ring of Honor no longer having IP review. Feels like uh, across the United States in general, but uh, and we're, it's funny because we're going to talk about both sides. We'll talk about Best in the World 2013, and there's probably a lot of play on that in terms of IP review. Uh, but that's in the United States. And then we'll talk about the Dominion New Japan show, which I don't think there was any problems there. I personally had problems, but that's just because I'm on a very, very bad desktop that can't handle it. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't hear about any problems with that show, at least. No, no, there was none. And then I guess uh, Dragon Gate is going to be uh, this week, isn't it? Dragon Gate and New Japan this weekend. Fourth uh, um, and fifth, I believe. Really? I mean, I... Both I, live. Feels like sure. I think Dragon Gate's doing a test run, and they're doing like this the wacky lottery, like multi man tag mm-hmm. in the main, but the rest of the card, well, the whole card sucks. But it looks <laughs> like a test run for Shingo Shima, that show. I don't huh. know what the name of it is. And uh, then New Japan, I guess, is doing probably the fifth again. Yes, something like that. Yes. But any, anyways, we're going to talk about Dominion and Best in the World, and then probably some other stuff that'll come up. And we'll try to keep this one under two hours and 43, 34 minutes. Yeah, it shouldn't be too much of an issue there. <laughs> uh, Best in the World 2013 from the Dewburns Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, the match we were both very excited for opened the show, B.J. Whitmer and Mike Bennett. <laughs> B.J. Whitmer won. It was a basic match. Bennett lost. I did like this being in the opener <laughs> because... It was, I think, Wolves and ACH and TD is like your typical opener style that they would have put there. But because Bennett worked House of Hardcore, I think they put this in this spot so he could get there. Yeah, yeah, it's highly true, honestly. I mean, but I mean, there was nothing wrong with it at all. It was just a match. (laughs) And then I guess the story after the match was dissension with, well, it looks more like Maria's trying to pull Bennett away from Brutal Bob because Bob did kind of screw him over. Yeah. Them the match. So there's some validity behind that. Right. I mean, um, but, uh, I mean, it looks I like think they're... they continued that on TV as well. So I think it's kind of just, uh, kind of like a wrapping up Mike Bennett and ROH. I mean, it looks, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, it looks like they're at least trying to somewhat give him potentially something to work with if he doesn't end up leaving, but at the same time, give him an out if needed. The most anticipated match on the show, at least for me coming in, uh, after their really hot TV match that they had in Chicago Ridge earlier this year, Davey and Eddie against Adrenaline Rush. I don't know if we mentioned that that's their new name. I think we did. ACH and Tadarius Thomas. Um, I, you could talk about this match first, actually. Uh, well, unfortunately, this one did not live up to their TV match, I felt. Like, uh, um, it was... In fact, I would say pretty decently below that. I mean, they like they tried to go uh, for their big sprint towards the end, but the finish in particular, I thought, was particularly bad. 
Um, I mean, strangely, you know, not to cut you off, I feel like there's been a lot of sprint sequences at the end of these matches that have fallen apart recently in ROH. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know what it is. I mean, they've had a couple like uh, really good ones at least, like the six-man tag from uh, uh, Virginia. I thought was worked very well. I mean, crowd was really into that one and whatnot. It, I mean, although that one I thought ended on a bit of a weird note, it at least was fine. But like, yeah, I mean, there have been like a couple weird ones, I suppose. So yeah. this one probably being the most weird of the ones recently. Yeah, and then AC. I think ACH and TD and Fish and O'Reilly, which we referenced, and I actually put over that match on the last podcast. But that one in particular, just, and I don't want to say I don't think it's just ACH and TD, but. So far, I think their two most prevalent matches so far at this point in the in the promotion have just uh, not been exactly fluid, uh, have been executed too well when they get to that sprint portion. One comment that I did make about Tadarius Thomas, granted, I'm a Tadarius Thomas supporter, and I know there's not a lot of them, is that he could actually fall behind in this tag team, which generally doesn't make a lot of sense because in a tag team, you can easily hide somebody's weaknesses, but I feel like... That's kind of what's happened in some of these matches. Those two in particular, this one and then the one from the Columbus, Ohio house show. I don't know if that was something that other people feel like, but it's not exactly like ACH was, you know, exceptional in this match either himself. So, I mean, I would say that. he I would say he was at least the highlight of the match. I mean, for what that's worth. ACH? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, so, you know. Like, Crow was at least always into everything that he was doing and whatnot, and all, look, all of it looked crisp. I mean, it was just like the, it ended in a really bizarre fashion. Yeah, no, like, very, uh, very lame finish in a show that had some lame finishes. Yeah, uh, quite a few of them, honestly. Um, and I guess, I think the thinking process with this finish, which was a 450 get the knees up roll through, is that, like, oh, they were that much closer because they got pinned on TV clean after, I don't remember the finishing sequence or the finishing move. But then this time, they were, like, that close, but they just got caught in a roll-up. So maybe next time they'll uh, get the big rub and get the win. But <laughs> not counting on it. No, not, no, I would not say so. Adam Cole, Roderick Strong. Uh, this is actually probably one of my more favorable things on the show. Uh, here was a finish where they got a little creative with the count-out, but I actually really dug it. Um, yeah. You saw the San Antonio match, so talk about the finish, the San Antonio match in comparison. I thought San Antonio match was a bit more hot. Like they, uh, they, I thought they like got to try a lot more in that one in particular. I mean, that one was also uh, third match from the top, so that had that going for it. I mean, this one was still good, of course. I mean, uh, in the second half of it, I thought it got very enjoyable, especially once I got to uh, the uh, table spot towards the end of it. And it was, uh, I mean, it was it at least accomplished something in terms of. Uh, uh, gearing towards uh, teasing Cole's full heel turn. So, I mean, you know, granted, someone could argue it's like, you know, taking a count-out win. I mean, uh, you know, how does that really make someone a heel? But, I mean, you, you can really tell that that's the direction that they're going with. And uh, in the meantime, it leaves Roderick Strong sort of uh, MIA, I suppose. I don't know Stealing if that's the show on the Hoopla Uncut segments on YouTube. Yes, yes, yeah, so he's certainly, do- certainly doing that. I mean, and then uh, going forward, he's going to be teaming with Cheeseburger come uh, <laughs> Night of Hoopla. So, <laughs> which is going to be... How do you feel about the Adam Cole heel turn? Like, um, It's at least been, like, gradually done. It hasn't felt like something that was, like, rushed at all. Like, which uh, I feel has been, like, a common thing in uh, wrestling as of late in terms of just, like, 
Uh, I mean, I've mentioned him in the past before, but like Del Rio as an example, who's like someone that's like, okay, he's a heel. Next show, oh, now he's a face. And, like this one at least, save uh, especially on the house shows between uh, Border Wars and um, uh, Best in the World. Like they kept progressively teasing it. Like after Roderick beat him in San Antonio, he walked out and did not shake uh, did not shake Roderick's hand. Uh, so they've at least been trying to go with that, and I feel like Cole at least uh, can can bring something to the table in terms of as a heel. I mean, that's very evident in other places that he's worked. So I, I really am all for it myself. And then he followed up with that on the Columbus, Ohio show, actually, where he apologized to Roddy for not shaking his hand. And then they did this finish here. So, Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it just goes to show that Adam Cole is not exactly the nicest guy. Yeah, and I think I think that's the idea. He's not going to be like the traditional like heel. He's just going to be like Adam Cole, yeah. which is a lot of personality and thinking he's better than everyone, I guess. Right. So I'm. I, I think. That, so basically, what I'm getting at is, I think that's like the best way to go with him. Um, yeah. Uh, which is ideal. Again, uh, Elgin yeah. and Champa. Do you have anything else to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I feel like, you know, uh, in terms, I mean, especially now with the uh, current Ring of Honor title situation, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit more later, I feel like Cole could potentially be the guy to end up taking the belt going forward. I mean, and then the only other option really is in the next match we're about to get into. Michael Elgin, Tommaso Ciampa. I I don't want to toot my own horn, but I pretty much called this exactly. In terms of what, stealing the show? Well, yeah, and that they would put Elgin over clean, and they would basically it, it came off to me like the point of this match was to just like make people pay attention to Champa. Yeah, which um, with his best effort in Ring of Honor by a substantial margin. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I and think this the ma- crowd. Uh, granted, I watched this on the original pay per view, and I watched most of it. I thought the crowd kind of sucked, but then when I watched it on replay, they were more into it. But I didn't exactly think they were into the finishing stretch as much as I would have hoped. Uh, well, they did go... I mean, I felt like they did uh, sort of drag it on a bit long. I mean, like, as an example, um, the near fall... What was, uh, oh, it was um, when Chiampa kicked out of the Elgin Bomb. Like, that would have been something that I felt like... Uh, I wouldn't want to say a New York crowd specifically, I mean, but I feel like they would uh, react to that pretty big. Just and because they that, did the uh, one count, too. Hulk, yes, which yes. I thought was a bit, I don't know, a bit, a bit much. much for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even then, I can't discredit the rest of the match really at all because it really, really delivered. Like they did a lot of really good stuff. Also, to be fair to both of us, I mean, we're both like a week plus at least removed from seeing this show, so our details yeah. aren't going to be exactly you know oh. in tune with what was going on. But. Oh well, they did a lot. I mean, I can remember a lot of the spots vividly myself. I mean, they particularly uh, uh, the spot where. Uh, um, Elgin blocked uh, Chiampa dive, then uh, suplexed him on the floor with the uh, with the. Uh, that was kind mat. of the story of the match early. Was like uh, Chiampa was like trying to outdo Elgin at his own stuff, right? And then and, Elgin and then, would come back with it and do it better, I guess. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And like, I mean, they went for a lot of really like devastating looking stuff, like including Chiampa even hitting a kryptonite crunch on the apron. Um, and I want to say he hit it again on uh, the concrete after. Yes. Which was, yeah, I mean, let's just, and then after that, he even uh, hit one off the second rope. It's like they were they were trying to go all out here, and they substantially stole the show. So ended up paying off for them big time. Also, one other thing that was very notable was uh, Artie Evans was on commentary for this match, and he was very, very enjoyable. 
Yes, and uh, to uh, I know Richard Trianfo and anybody who's familiar with Q Turds uh, <laughs> disdain. They actually have been, I guess, named Marshall Law. Marshall Law. Uh, he and QT Marshall. Yeah. Which, Which I, don't uh, know if, I don't know if that means they're going to be around for a little bit longer. I mean, I presumed that QT was out in September because I know that's when his contract comes up. Well, I did enjoy their match with the Wolves in Belvern. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that I don't think anybody has a problem with QT Marshall right now because he's not beating anyone. And he's yeah. just being a guy. He's a geek. Like, he's, you know, and who doesn't like, you know, I mean, and every, you need a guy like him, right? Yeah. I and then playing so. off RD is fantastic, you know, yeah. as would go for anybody. Right. Um, I mean, so. uh, one of the more notable comments that already made, I can't remember verbatim what it was, but uh, he was mentioning how uh, he could help out people that have time travel issues. Did he? I thought, yes. I did At some point towards, be- towards the beginning of the match, he mentioned something of that nature. I can't remember like, the, like word for word, but he definitely mentioned something like that, which I thought was pretty fantastic. <laughs> and I guess that led to Ciampa and... The, oh, the, the the stuff after this match I thought was pretty lame, honestly. With QT coming out and then just leaving, yes, it just takes away from the moment. But at the same yep. time, it could have been during the match, yeah, you know, which I would have definitely had my issues with. Yeah, which at least I mean, <laughs> I was gonna say with the next two matches we can talk about issues. It just, in it just of... feels like it's so unnecessary. Like, what was the point? Just to get him on the show. Yep. That's what it was. That was why. Was to get him on the show. And, you know, and then si- Silas Young wasn't on the show, and he was working the TV taping the next day. You know? Oy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of uh, finishes that... Uh, Sucked. Yeah, well, this one in particular. This Well, the next two. One was very flat, uh, the second one, and then one sucked. Uh, Matt Taven, TV title against Jimmy Jacobs and Jay Lethal. I think coming in, this was originally Taven and Lethal, and then they threw Jimmy in there, which... I guess it was a lateral move, or actually could have made it better. Um, they, I guess they got about 10 minutes, and uh, it was going along fine, and then uh, just uh. feels like what's kind of become the standard for House of Truth stuff with Truth and uh, the Hoopla Hotties at the uh. finish. I thought the match was, yeah, I thought it was actually very enjoyable for a while, like some really nifty stuff, like particularly that power slam on the floor, uh, where Jacobs came off the apron and Taven caught him, power slam on the floor, Whew, that was like very awesome. Uh, I mean, they were just all meshing sort of well, and then, uh, yeah, we had Scarlet get in the ring, and uh, a lot of shenanigans, seeing uh, Lethal pulling her vest off, and uh, fans going nuts for that, more than most things on the show up to this point. <laughs> I thought it was worth mentioning, and then uh, Jacobs took out Lethal, um, Martini I was trying to reason with Jacobs, and the other Hoopla girl got in the ring, Jacobs pushed her away and tried to hit Jacobs, uh, or uh, tried to hit... Uh, 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 Taven with an air raid crap. Or there was like a lot of wackiness in this one. <laughs> it was like too much to even recap. By the way, the girl, the other one, not Scarlet, Cecilia um, Sparks. Is that her name? Something of that name. Yeah, it starts with now, an F. She's supposed to be like an Amazon type, right? That's um, like her goal because she's kind of muscular and like, like she stands up to the wrestlers. She's done it like twice now. Like she's like the muscle of the group. Like a, yeah, but. Uh, not like she's, uh, she's shorter than everybody on the roster. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say she's almost. I mean, uh, you you would probably like uh, be very upset if I made the comparison of her supposing to be uh, the Del Rey of Sweet and Sour of old. <laughs> well, I mean, I did make some pretty uh, you know 
good. Uh, you know, I was in favor of Sparks like before we were doing the podcast earlier tonight. So, yeah. I mean, she's not anywhere near Delray level yet, but you know, who knows? At the very least, though, with this match, I can appreciate the fact that uh, in our preview, I made note of the fact that they have not been allowing Taven to like do anything at all. Yeah. And uh, while he didn't get to do as much as he did in like uh, the six-man tag from Virginia or uh, the Eddie match from uh, Texas. He did at least get to do more than he's gotten in his past couple pay-per-view outings. And actually, so. the, the lamest part of this finish may have been the fact that Taven stole the fall. Yes. When the other guy hits his big move, he throws him out and covers. Yeah. Quite well, a creative finish. Uh, I never see that. <laughs> but with that said, I felt like that finish was at least better than the next finish. Because at least stuff happened in the one we just referenced. <laughs> Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly defended a Red Dragon defended the tag titles against CNC Wrestle Factory and Scum, Cliff Compton, and Rhett Titus. Um, this match was very short. This was actually shorter, I believe, than the final battle three-way. <laughs> very disappointing match. Uh, it, it was kind of all action for the most part. Um, but then the, like, okay, so I guess the finish was... <laughs> <laughs> Flat. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so they're, kinda, they're, they're doing stuff, okay, and then Cedric's going hot on, pretty wild on Kyle, and he does a couple moves, gets like a near fall, then he does another move, and they pull him out of the ring, Scum does. Se- uh, Caprice hits like a dive, so all three of those guys are eliminated from the match. Cedric's still, you know, he's he's still on fire doing stuff on Kyle, he does a brain buster, gets a near fall, I guess, or actually as he's going to cover Kyle... Bobby Fish comes from the other side of the ring where he was just hanging out. Kicks Cedric. Fish drags Kyle on top of Cedric, and there's your finish, which was about as flat as my explanation. But <laughs> If not flatter, actually. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, it was uh, very disappointing. I mean, like I, uh, I mean, before Scum ratted to this match, I had a lot of anticipation for for it, and uh, unfortunately, Red Dragon uh, has been a victim of some really lame endings as of late. Uh, we and, you covered um, on that on uh, the preview. I did. I, I do want to mention because we can talk about yeah. that briefly. But Cedric and Caprice were over before the match, so that just made me. I was in like when I watched this, I was in depression mode. Because it was like, I knew this was, I already knew the finish because I read it and I maybe I saw, no, I didn't see anything on the second half live, or at least attempt to watch anything second uh, live. But yeah, they were over. So I was like, oh shit, if only this had been Red Dragon and CNC heads up like it should have been, could have been really awesome. But Cedric and Caprice once again are just kind of relegated to, I don't even know. I don't even know how you classify Cedric and Caprice. Um,. The Primo and Epico of Ring of Honor? The Primo and Epico? Uh, they're not the, that bad. Uh, Primo and Epico, I don't even know if they're still employed at this rate. But, Epico uh, is, isn't he? Epico? Uh, like Wait, who's the, Epico? Who's, um... Epico's who's Tito the... Cologne. Okay, and who's the other one? Uh, Primo, he, who teamed with uh, Carlito for okay, a bit. Okay, who is, um, the guy that was on SmackDown? Hunico. Hunico. Yeah, he was I, awesome, and then he got hurt. Yeah, and he's it's too been... bad he never got some main event matches. Those would have been mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, indeed. But, uh, yeah, calling them that would be a bit more of a stretch. I mean, because at least Cedric and Caprice have gotten chances in the past, but they're sort of few and far between. Yeah, so... It's almost just like a, 
I don't even know how to describe it. Just the fact that now they've had two three-way matches where it was supposed to be one-on-one, and they were on big shows for the tag titles. It's like finally that over-the-top, like put them over-the-top moment. Because I think they're already, you know, a lot of fans are coming around on them because they have gotten, I guess, some better opportunities, but not a whole lot. You know, like they had 20 minutes with the Wolves, had like 20 minutes with Bravados on a house show. I don't know how much more that's being showcased necessarily, but regardless. Right. Uh, yeah, this, this you know, these matches back-to-back, uh, it was kind of as flat as it, not only in execution, but as it looked originally on paper when everybody was complaining about these matches, so. Yeah. Next match I thought was not, pretty enjoyable, yeah, though. Not good, not good times with those two matches, uh, or at least the endings. Um, and then Hardy and Steen, as you alluded to, in a no-DQ match. Um, I don't remember anything about this match, so... Um, crowd was, crowd was very hot for it. Like, I thought at this point they were hotter than, I mean, at, at least for a full match, because they sort of died down for Elgin and Ciampa. I thought that they were mostly very into this. And, uh, very, very hateful towards Hardy and very all for Steen. I mean, they you, they busted out some really random stuff, including, uh, uh, usage of a ladder, which I did not quite expect for this yeah, one. I do remember the ladder, yes. Yeah, and uh, the finish uh, was uh, Hardy set up two chairs and had a twist of fate through the chairs on Steen for the win, getting the clean victory, going into his uh, Ring of Honor title match the next day, which, uh, alas, he did not win. Uh, but... Apparently there was a lot of, uh, a lot of like, grumbling about him going over here because he went over Steen. I don't understand that at all. I mean, Hardy was challenging for the belt the next day. Yeah. You know, Steen and... just had his big title run, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean. That's and... the problem. Yeah, and because uh, you know, I mean, I was talking about this with like a couple uh, people. I mean, I personally like I do not loathe Matt Hardy at all. Like, uh, in fact, think he's been at least, uh, well, not necessarily in Ring of Honor, but he's been showing evidence of at least trying elsewhere. I thought he did fine in this match, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've always given him credit for trying. Like, it's not like he's showing up and being lazy necessarily. But yeah, exactly. In Ring of Honor, he doesn't really have a chance. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I personally, I mean, uh, considering the situation we'll get into in the next match, I'd honestly sort of question not having him win the title, if only for the fact that what you, I mean, the, the things that you could do with that, I mean, like, the very next uh, pay-per-view is New York, and then, you know, you can just as easily have whoever his next challenger is immediately kill him and win the belt, and I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. Which would have been Elgin. Yeah. And I think... It- before, um, I think a lot of people kind of gave Hardy a big, ch- a good shot to actually win the title on the TV taping, and yeah. it made sense. You know, you do it on TV. You don't make people because people aren't, in theory, going to pay or want to see like the ROH audience see Matt Hardy challenge for the belt. But then you could come back and, granted, the Canada show or the Toronto one at the Maple, the former Maple Leaf Garden isn't even on iPay-Per-View, but if right. it was. Granted, that kind of excludes it because it's just TV taping and then a house show. But, like, people would pay to see Elgin dethrone Matt Hardy, and everybody would know that's going to happen. So I think that would generate a lot of momentum and maybe buzz for that particular show, at least within a certain bubble. Uh, I don't even know. But, yeah, so. I mean, but for what it's worth, though, I mean, I thought that this match was fine. I mean, didn't really, uh, I did not have an issue with it. And uh, I thought it actually, you know, did a good way of, like, uh, trying to perceive Matt Hardy as a threat for his title shot, so... Yeah. And that, and that kind of t- ties in, because I guess we'll talk about the title a little bit. Main event for the ROH world title, Jay Briscoe defends against his brother, Mark Briscoe. Uh, nobody fights like family, 
was the uh, tagline of the show. Um, and this match, uh, I mean, I thought it was uh, good. I wasn't, uh, I don't know if it was because maybe I had my expectations too high, although I don't think I did, just because I thought, okay, well, it's the main event of an iPay-Per-View, you know, these guys have had spectacular matches in the past in terms of singles, you know, maybe they'll do a little bit more than kind of what they've become accustomed to doing over the last a year and a half, two years-ish, um, and they had a strong 20-minute match, but that's about the most I could say for it. It was just, I think the best way I could describe it, and I don't describe matches like this very often, is it was just, like, very deliberate. I think is like, the best way for me to define how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, it was, um... I mean, for, considering, you know, all the hype that they were trying to give it in terms of, like, you know, uh, it, one of the big taglines being nobody fights like family... And whatnot, I couldn't help but feel disappointed with this one. It wasn't bad or anything at all. I mean, but it really was not a very strong main event, especially now, considering the circumstances of the fact that for the foreseeable future, this is going to be the well, I mean, besides Jay's TV match with Hardy, uh, this will be their uh, last match in Ring of Honor for the foreseeable future. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to imagine, too, that like Okay, we all, they knew this was going to happen. Nobody else knew. But, like, everybody in the company, this has been something that had been, you know, expected for a long time to come to fruition. So even in a sense, I feel like they would have done more. If I would have known that, I would have expected them to do more. But Yeah, I mean, like, I uh, it, it, it's sort of... I, mean, I don't blame I, them, though, at all. I've noticed that, like, some... I mean, that seems to have happened a bit recently. Like, even, like, uh, with uh, Generico DDT4 like uh be an example that I would point out where it's just like you do expect them to do more on their way out and they just sort of, you know, try to take it easy. At least with him it was a bit more understandable cuz it's like why try to do more and potentially get injured before going into NXT. Right. But uh what I mean with them, I mean it's like I don't know what exactly their their plan is. Uh I mean they were trying to make this match have a big match feel. I mean, they had all the Briscoe family members at ringside. Um, they, in fact, had uh, Larry Legend interviewing some of the family members at ringside, including yeah, Papa Briscoe. Yeah, uh, a regular now or something. Yeah. Um, regular gig. And, like, uh, you know, crowd was pretty into it at first, and the match sort like of went the cr- on. I, th- I really felt like the crowd wanted to be into it, but, again, just because of the pace, it was kind of hard for them. Yeah. Which, yeah. at the same time, and I've noted this, is I don't mind it being a slower pace because it was very much a different type of match as opposed to maybe what you're expected in the world title spot at the main event of the show where they do a whole lot or maybe too many near falls or something like that. But, you know, Jay and Mark, I mean, really the point I was going to make when I uh, stumbled there a few minutes ago, I forgot what I was going to say, was that uh, they've kind of... This is the standard for Mark and Jay, like, the last year and a half is kind of not taking it easy and they're really over so ultimately it doesn't matter sometimes that can even it out a little bit but it's just that like I feel like their tag matches have just all been kind of like good at best um, yeah. I, thought the, I thought the Kyle and Fish match from the anniversary show was very good I, I really enjoyed that match because there was a lot of unique stuff about it but other than that I mean what match the last year and a half from the Briscoes have you exactly been excited about after it happened um, well, you figure, I mean, a year, almost a year, essentially, of that was uh, them feuding with World's Greatest Tag Team, so... Yeah. No, t- yeah. that's completely fair. Uh, so you're going to have that going against it, and then beyond that, uh... <laughs> and then a point you were going to make was kind of, uh, I think, was, you know, like, because uh, I had cut you off, was Fish and Kyle, 
the finishes to some of their recent matches, and I know you watched the Bell Vernon house show, and you've been watching some of the house shows recently to catch up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That 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 finish in particular was uh, not so good at all. Uh, that match, and uh, for whatever reason, like the the crowd was very very like uh, energized was what I'm looking for throughout that one, and then they were sort of reserved for uh, the main event for whatever reason, and then it was just a bit of a wacky cliche. Uh, Stupid ending where, you know, uh, uh, I want to say it was, no, it wasn't Jay, it was Mark who came off the ropes. Kyle hits him in the back with the belt, then uh, Fish hits him with the kick. One, two, three. It's like, ugh, you know, talking about cliche endings. Yeah, I, it just, it almost falls, it's almost worse. Like, it's funny because I was very critical, you know, like Cornette when he would do these wacky finishes where they were like really choreographed and just very. Like, it was impossible for any talent to execute. Like, I remember one in particular, Elgin and Lethal from West Virginia. And I always go to this match as an example. But, like, Truth and Roddy got involved. And it was like every wrestler had to be at a certain, like, spot to, like, make this all come together. And then, like, Truth was on one side of the ring, then on the other side of the ring. And then Strong was distracting one guy. The referee is, like, looking into space, doesn't know what's going on. And it's just, like, the most, like, like, just completely, like, insult your intelligence. And then this doesn't, like, that finish doesn't necessarily, like, insult my intelligence, but it almost, like, I can laugh at the other finish, and then this one is just so lame and predictable and shitty, like, uh, I don't know. And then, Actually, what did it lead, what was the point? It didn't lead to anything. It was like, okay, well, at least you do a rematch, right? No mm-hmm. rematch. They were never going to do the match again, and then they went over clean, which I made this point on the last show. They went over clean in the first match when they won the titles. So now they have to cheat to beat them? Okay, yep. that's a real good way to solidify the title run. But again, it was like, it was, the finish was sensical. It was just super lame. Yeah. Because, nope, because those things don't work anymore. And when the crowd falls flat, and that's the reaction, it doesn't work anymore, and it happens again. It doesn't matter where it's at. It doesn't matter if it's WWE. doesn't matter if it's TNA. doesn't matter if it's Ring of Honor. When all these fucking lame finishes keep happening, the crowd just, they go mute. Yeah. There's, like, this weird, like, pause, isn't there? Like, every yeah. time. And, and then, I mean, like... What are we, like, one for ten when they work? Two for ten? And, and then uh, typical, like, golf applause after, typically. Yeah. yeah it's just... And, like, uh, they did another one. What was their other match that that happened in? Uh, the, the match in New York City. That everybody, uh, the tag match. Yeah, yeah, they where did it was, another. like, super strong match, and then yeah. they haven't done another match since. They're doing singles, which should be good. We're finally getting Fish and Davey. Uh, are Davey we? Too. Yes, oh, they announced what? that, like, last week for Milwaukee. Wow, I have no idea about that. Eddie That's... Kyle, Steen, uh, Silas, same show. Yeah. Well, I knew about game. I knew about those four matches that they announced today. I had no idea that they confirmed those. What's the four-way that they're doing? Um, Lethal, Taven, Roderick, maybe, and trying to remember. Excellent I mean, radio. Oh, what's that? Excellent podcasting. Oh, well, well, I mean, that's look, our, both of our fault, of course. Yeah, I mean, well, well, look, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's a lot always. of stuff. A lot of stuff going on. Oh, it's uh, Taven, Lethal, Adam, and Elgin. Oh, Elgin? Yeah. Okay, yes. well, that's, well, you know that match is going to be a lot better than... Yeah. Like, if it was somebody else where I feel like it wouldn't be put in the pit. But Elgin's the man, so he just... Every show, right? Right. And then, uh... 
And then they're also going to have uh, ACH and Tadarius are going to be there as well. I mean, uh, you're going to have a Bennett Whitmer rematch, Athena Mischief, uh, and Steen Silas, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's a big one. Whitmer Bennett. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> did I did I mention that these these finishes, like the one in the three way where Taven steals the fall and roll ups, it, it's like the worst thing about pro wrestling in 2013 is people still booking them. Like, it would be one it would be one thing if you book them, like, every once in a while so they can have an effect, but even when you do it once on a show, I think it's too many times, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, but, uh... And you catch me in the right moment about roll-ups and shit, and I just... On the bright side, I did I did think of uh, Briscoe's match that I was excited for after it happened. It was uh, on note of Milwaukee, the last Mil- Milwaukee main event, Briscoe's versus uh, Jacobs and Steen. I thought that match was very fun. Last summer, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was, so, yeah. Well, it took a dive from uh, the balcony, too. Yeah, I mean, but... Uh, and, and then you figure, though, after that, the Briscoes are wrestling scum nonstop. So... Yeah. Yeah. And then and then they had the Wolves match in January, which uh, uh, we've discussed at least. I mean, I enjoyed it. I was it, not a but... fan. And then uh, the Red Dragon match was mentioned, then the Red Dragon rematch, and then they also had the uh, another Wolves match on TV, which I thought was also, like, good, but not not up to the level of their match from Phoenix from a few years back. Yeah. And the work of the one from Bell Vernon, did that, uh, like, it was a little slowed down too, right, compared to, like, most of the main events, it feels like? But yeah. now there's a pattern here where it feels like they're slowing down some of the main events. I don't know if that's just because Jay's the champ, uh, but in this case, I mean, it's different because it was a tag match. But it was right. slowed down a little bit, yeah, which I'm I mean, okay well, with because they still went, like, 15, 20 minutes. It was just they didn't, like, do a lot of near falls. Right. Maybe a little more psychology-based. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's sort of weird. I mean, and then, you know, and then on top of that, you have the flat ending. I mean, which is very bothersome, yeah. but... Yeah, which if if they just do two minutes and give you a hot finish, you're a lot more satisfied with that than what I mean, we got. Especially now, again, uh, you know, going back to this point, but knowing that they knew that the Briscoes were on their way out, why not have them lose? Oh, I know, exactly. <sighs> oh, God. So, on note of that, because I guess we kind <laughs> of jumped around, but yes, Jay and Mark supposedly done with the company. I know that as of right now, they're, like, still trying to, like, get them, like, Jay, to lose the belt. Right. And as of earlier today, they were still trying to get him to lose the belt, so uh, I guess they'll make a decision at some point, or maybe it was already made, I don't know, but that's not what I heard. And, uh, yeah, so J- they've known about this since before Toronto, I guess. Yeah. I mean, which is... And... So they've had since, like, probably April, or probably since Jay won the belt, they knew, that Jay and Mark were going to leave on this show. This was going to be it, or this weekend was going to be it for them. And they didn't, you know, they didn't build to any... Ma- they they basically wanted to get this match in. That's how it seems to be explained. Was it yep. they wanted to do Jay and Mark? I mean, which... <sighs> Never God. mind, they had a TV the next day. Yeah. So they could have still switched the title. Yeah. I mean, that... <sighs> I mean, I I know I I don't want to be that negative guy. I mean, because well, you might as well. We're always positive. I think we're yeah. really positive on here. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, but it's like you know, I I personally am at least much more into Ring of Honor now than I was say a year ago. 
But, I mean, there's a lot of problems still, I mean, with just, like, general storytelling that they have. I mean, when you figure, uh, I've, uh, I've talked about this with uh, Jacob a bit, like, when you consider the fact that, like, every world title challenger they've had on pay-per-view is, like, come across as a loser on, like, the very next pay-per-view before. And I, it's like, you know, there has to be, like, a decent amount of the audience that is only watching strictly pay-per-view to pay-per-view and not necessarily seeing a lot of TV or... uh, And it's not like they're exactly doing much on the TVs. You know, like, a guy comes out, cuts a promo, one title match. I mean, that's basically what happened with Jay and Mark. I mean, like, you figure, I mean, Mark here, he lost to Taven. Um, And then on Supercard, he was in the 10-man scum tag. Um, he lost the tag titles in the Fish and O'Reilly match where Jay took the fall in that one and then got a title shot at the next pay-per-view, winning the title at that. Uh, you have, had Cole. Yeah, who, uh, who was... Uh, two straight pay-per-views yeah. lost to yeah. Matt Taven. Oh, well, and then... Uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, Matt Taven and Matt Hardy, yes. And, uh, yeah. There's just and a that, lot of basic logic holes, it seems like. Um, and then even going back to Glory Bonner with Elgin, Elgin uh, lost to uh, your your favorite match. <laughs> like, and and then we're going back almost a year, and yeah. this has been like a regularly reoccurring thing. Yeah, and it's it's not hard to give somebody a credible win into a title match so that there could be a believability factor in terms of if they're winning or not. Yeah, I mean, like uh, in all honesty, I mean the moment <laughs> the Whitmer. Uh, the Whitmer title shot at Virginia may have been the best built-up title shot, and that was on a, on a house show. Well, don't you get it, JP? We're, they're just trying to telegraph it, okay? So you're <laughs> supposed to think that because they lost, they have a real shot, okay? I'm just uh, thinking with their logic. Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, I mean, like a WWE logic. Like, the sense. one thing that I thought would change, that I was very persistent about, was that the in-ring quality would be more consistent, and I don't think you can... I don't think you can argue against it that it's been more consistent since oh, the change. Not at all. And in that's fact, really, but everything else, I mean, I think the finishes are a little less stupid than some of the Cornette ones, but they're still stupid. I mean, um, it's sort sort of basically like how I see TNA nowadays. Only TNA has much more issues in terms of like general storytelling right now. But I mean, in the sense of it's like match quality is overall better. I mean, they're trying to go for better pairings. Uh, there's a whole lot less stupid stuff regularly, but, I mean, there's still problems, to say the least. Much more there than Ring of Honor, though, I feel. Well, when, it, when, is, when is one of these companies just going to be like, okay, we're really bad at storytelling, so we're just not going to do it? <laughs> well, maybe that's what ROH is doing. They just go from week to week, right? I mean, I was going to I hear that's how Delirious books anyways is very week to week. He doesn't tell anybody anything. I mean, I was going to say... It seems like. I was going to say, with Ring of Honor, they, in fact, may be having more issues in the sense that, like, they're losing, like, a good portion of their roster. Like, uh, you look at their intro video, and I feel like half the roster on there is gone. Yeah, within the span of, like, how how long, too? Like, very short period of time, and not to mention guys that may be going. Yes, so... Already. So, no. so, I don't know, it's just a weird period for, like, it's weird stuff that's happened in ROH, I mean... So you have, like, this Jay and Mark thing. I think the scum angle came to a finish a lot earlier than expected. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, what a... I, I don't know. Just... I mean, I mean, talk... I mean, what what did that angle accomplish? To wrap up what they had already started uh, the year before? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... 
Because I th- that maybe Delirious felt obligated. I mean, granted, he could have done whatever he wants, and, you know, there's been a lot of logical, so what's another one, right? But maybe he feels obligated that, uh, you know, Steen turns face, so you have to have some sort of Steen and scum blow off with Steen as the face. I don't know. I will say I did accomplish some great Carino commentary. And that's something that I presume we're still going to continue to get. And we're um, not really going to have an explanation either. Eh, It'll just I mean, happen. Well, we will see in that regard. I mean, otherwise we can get Bobby Fish on commentary, which I'm all for. The most underappreciated man in 2013, Bobby Fish. Uh, and you can hold me to that statement. And maybe he's finally get, he's had how many singles matches in ROH by the way? Two. Uh, the most recent one being against Raymond Rowe from San Antonio. Oh, so that would be three this year. Um. Yep. Uh, including okay. the, the the Eddie one on TV. Okay, uh, Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> Indeed, but no. I mean, I will say though. I mean, you know, we're sort of being like dark towards Ring of Honor. Night of Hoopla looks fantastic. I want to go to a Night of Hoopla. Well, yeah, that those videos were uh, probably phenomenal. the best thing that ROH has did in a long time. Done. Truly, truly phenomenal stuff. Like. I mean, I couldn't even tell you the last time Ring of Honor had a video like that good that got me, like, just... It, it made me feel like I was watching something different and unique. You felt like you weren't watching ROH. <sighs> Which is yeah, a good thing. I suppose you can say that. I mean, but it's like, you know, even going back all the way to, like, 2006 when they had uh, the Jimmy Jacobs music videos, like, you never saw something like that anywhere else. And, like, that's sort of how I felt with this Night of Hoopla stuff. Yeah. Hey... Just complete wackiness. Uh, Roderick Strong being absolutely amazing in the one that was posted as of now yesterday. That, that saved that one because we didn't have Scarlet singing Disney tunes. Yes. Which was unfortunate. Because, like, they do that on the first one and establish it, so it's like, oh, shit, we have the entire rest of the roster, and she's going to do that again. And we didn't get yeah. that. Yep. And then, uh, you know, in the first one, uh, you had that, and you had Steen being fantastic. Uh, just really phenomenal videos. Highly encouraged you to go check uh, go check them out. And, and that uh, said, anything else? Roger, Roderick Strong and Cheeseburger for DDT4 2014. Who was it that said that on Twitter? Somebody did. Was Jerome, it? I believe. <laughs> Jerome Cousin? Yes. Jerry Cousin. I will continue the campaign for him on here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but uh, I'm all for a night of hoopla, and if they can bring a night of hoopla to Florida, I will gladly be there. <laughs> that that's gonna be tough being that far into Florida. Like, if they run Miami area, like, how many people are they gonna fly in? That's like yeah. just such a drive for everybody, and they've been budgeting. So, that would be like my number one reason that I don't see them going to Florida. But I could be completely wrong. Yeah, yeah, well... On, on note of them running, uh, you mentioned Florida for you, how about uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee in Birmingham, Alabama? Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh... uh Chattanooga, East Ridge, Tennessee is actually where they're running. Will be the closest that Ring of Honor has ever run to me, excluding WrestleMania weekend in 2011, which was, of course, 15 miles down the road. Uh, Asheville was actually the closest, uh, which was three and a half hour drive for me, and Chattanooga is like sub-two. So and actually, Alabama, Birmingham is uh, closer than Asheville as well. It's like two and a half. So uh, if those shows don't get canceled, which I fully expect them to, I will be there. <laughs> and they will go the way of the West Virginia show. Uh, hopefully not. Yeah, but. hopefully not. But, uh, but the last time uh, they did a double shot down here, I guess was a double shot. Yes, 
was the Spartanburg and Winston-Salem shot that didn't happen. And they actually canceled them after they announced matches. It was originally Homicide and Steen for the title. And I don't know how many people remember this or ever knew this, but the Winston-Salem show, or maybe it was Spartanburg, was going to feature a one-night tournament with tag team wrestlers and singles matches. So, yeah, Shelton was promoted for a singles match, and uh, the winner was going to get a title shot. And that never came to fruition, unfortunately, because the shows were canceled. No, he's got to have 66% of his singles matches be with Mike Bennett. (sighs) This is true. (laughs) I noticed Shelton, though, that could segue us into uh, the other pay-per-view that happened the same weekend. The new new segue master, J.P. Nichols. Um, (laughs) Dominion, which I guess we're actually technically working backwards, because this was before Best in the World. um, Yes. Which was the morning of, actually. I watched, um, I'd actually have to bring up the card, I watched... The dark match or pre-show match, and then up to Goto Shibata, or yes. no, before that, and then I watched Goto Shibata on the replay. I have not watched the last two matches. We were originally going to make this, or maybe we still may, the second annual Duel Duel, because I know everybody's <laughs> been anticipating it. Uh, well, um, the Duel Duel. I mean, it's uh, got more involvement here than it had in uh, its feud with Young Bucks and Anax. Uh, so. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, so this show. Um, I, I mean, it goes without saying. Uh, shocking news. Breaking news, I will say. New Japan had a good pay-per-view. I, I know this comes as a complete surprise to everybody. but <laughs> No, <laughs> um, no this, this show I thought was uh, another very good show. I would probably have it as my number three for them overall for the year behind Wrestle Kingdom and Invasion Attack. I mean, but with that said, being a number three show for New Japan is still being like a number one for like almost every other promotion out there. Yeah. So... I mean, well, well, it is New Japan, and I know we're doing a podcast, but New Japan's like here. I'm like pointing to the wall right now, and then yeah. everybody else is, and I'm now pointing to the ground. So <laughs> that's the difference. Well, in fair, in fairness, at the very least, I thought the Dragon Gate uh, uh, Saturday show in New Jersey, I thought was on the level of, or close to the level of some of their shows, and I even would almost go as far as to say that Evolve 22 was pretty close as well. So, but I mean, like I said, like you. Uh, you saw, like, this just recently, and I don't... I was yeah, watching well, it on a stream, and I was like, whatever, so you can kind of, like, handle... And I'll, like, pop in and comment if I uh, have anything. Uh, well, uh, yeah, the show in full, again, very enjoyable. Um, pre-show match was Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask 4 versus Takamichi Noku and Taichi. Uh, typical dark match. Um, you know, uh, that they were uh, having Taka and Taichi just represent one of the big stables in Japan, uh, Suzuki Gun, and... Uh, it was just a, it was a fine match. Tai Chi uh, pins Tiger Mask. Uh, it was quick as we had into the main show. Which, by the way, June 9th, the June 9th New Japan show, which was the finals of the Super Junior with Shelly and Divot. Yes. The opener on that, the multi-man tag that had, it was like all the guys, like, I guess, um, well, not Americans, but it had Romero, Kozlov, Beretta, Ricochet, and like one other against, like, your usual suspects that are on that spot on the card, like Liger and, you know, other suspects, and, like, that was a really fun match. I just wanted to put, like, it surprised me, because it was the opener on that show, and for whatever reason, I randomly watched that show. I think it was because I, okay, I shouldn't say that, but I got that show on DVD, and that match really surprised me, so it's really a lot of fun. I would say check it out. I still need to catch up with all the best Super Junior stuff. I I always say each year that I'm going to keep up with all of it and watch it all as it happens, and unfortunately... And and then you remember that most of the matches are just matches, too. 
Yeah. So it's like a lot of appealing pairings, and then like maybe there's like two or three stand out amongst the dozens. Which, yeah, that's true. And like I really dislike how they handle the semifinals. Like they should be a bigger deal. You know, they run all these shows. Like just do them on other shows. Don't do the semi and finals on the same show. So then then you shortchange something. Because it's like on this one we had Shelly and Takamichinoku and Divot and Omega, and it was like both were like sub ten minutes. Yes. It was yeah. So lame. I mean, um, uh, I will say the two standouts that I saw at least Ricochet and Divot. Maybe mm-hmm. Ricochet and Shelly and the finals were all very good. Right. Uh, yeah, Ricochet, all the Ricochet matches in particular. I just did you see to that he did a see. springboard Phoenix Splash? Wow. I had no idea about well, that's, that. That's a thing that happened, so you probably want to see that. Yep, yep. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for listening to the audio. I'm going to go watch that now. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but moving we'll play on. play the audio of it for you. And JP's um, reaction, and that'll be the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Title Match Time Splitters versus Forever Hooligans in a seemingly never-ending series of matches between these two, but I will say at the very least I thought this match was their best they've had up to this point um, their match that they had in October last year I would say was probably around the level of this, but they just seemed to uh, pull out all the stops in this one, busting out some really random stuff that is just like I mean, these teams had to... I want to say this is, like, their fourth pay-per-view match since October. And it's just, like, for a while, it yeah, was just also... pay-per-view. Yeah, like, I mean, with the exception of Wrestle Kingdom. Like, uh, so... I mean, um... But regardless, uh... They, they pulled out all the stops in this one. Uh, they seem to, like, have, like, a much more crazy sprint, but... Forever Hooligans are fantastic uh, with their act. Um, I mean, they're a very fun heel team that the crowd really gets uh, into. Uh, I believe Shelley was working with this match following a concussion, um, but it did not really seem to affect him too much, and Kushida was actually really on fire in this match, including busting out uh, a really random dive to the outside. On, on note of random dives, uh, Kozlov busted out a shooting star press, which really caught me off guard. Um, I do not remember. Yes, this is like what goes for your end. crappy stream, or actually my crappy desktop, not the crappy stream, because the international streams are fine, American streams not so much. I mean, but uh, um, after I mean, this is uh, I want to say their first defense, uh, Forever Hooligans, after winning it at Dontaku in uh, May, and they picked up the victory completely clean uh, with the uh, knee into the not burning hammer necessarily, but. Uh, they picked up the win, and it was a very, very fun opener. I, I mean, I it would probably be one of the better matches on this show, which was yeah. littered with a few very good matches. So yeah, this was, um, granted, I didn't see the last two matches, but this was my favorite. But I assume the title match on top would be. But granted, I can't say that because again, I haven't seen it. So. Right. Um, second match was uh, the Bullet Club, uh, Devitt Stable of uh, Carl Anderson, Bad Luck Fail, uh, Bad Luck Fail, and Tamatanga versus Yuji Nagata, Tomaiki Hanma, and Captain New Japan. Uh, which uh, it was basically just a match to give um, Devitt's guys something to do. But uh, the, the most notable thing I can say about it is uh, the highlight of it was uh, the sequences with Carl and Nagata, which just had me craving for singles between the two of them. How do you feel about Bullet Club in general? Um. Uh, that's actually something I was going to get into with uh, Devitt and Tanahashi later, but all right, uh, fair enough. oh no, I was just gonna say I like uh, I like the grouping. I think they all look the part, and I am quite okay with it. I feel like that uh, their shenanigans are so over the top, and it feels like 
that it's been so long since they that shenanigans have been that so over the top that it's almost refreshing in a yeah. way. But at times, like, and like in the Shelly Divot match, which the finals are the best of the Super Juniors, they did a lot early, but then you know, of course, they like let the match happen and they had a clean finish. So, right. Um, but I do feel like you know, because that's pretty much the like purpose of all their matches is like what the Bullet Club is going to do for like half of it. Right. Um, but it's it's in a weird way kind of refreshing just how over the top it is because they do so much. Yes, I, I mean, and uh, like they pretty much controlled the majority of this match as well. I mean, but you know, it was a fine match, did what it needed to. But again, uh, the day that they book Carl Nagata, I'll be pretty happy. Um, next match was IWGP Tag Title Match. Uh, Toriano and Izuka versus Killer Elite Squad of Davy Boy Smith and Lance Archer versus uh, Tenkozi of Tenzon and Kojima. Three different sets of champions in this match, uh, with uh, uh, Yano and Izuka being GHC Junior Tag Champs uh, for Noah, Davy and Archer being NWA Tag Team Champions, and Tenzon and Kojima being the current IWGP Tag Champs. Um, this match was a bit chaotic. Uh, not really enough to say too much about, I would say. I mean, really the main thing I can always say about any Killer Elite Squad's matches is that David Hurd Smith has improved, like, by leaps and bounds. Like, I always it's liked unfortunate him. unfortunate we don't get to see him in more, like, prevalent singles. In the U.S.? Anywhere. Yeah, here, yeah. Um, I mean, I well, he, was he, just, and, uh, he was just hanging out at Evolve 22, you know? It's like, yeah, and he would have been a lot better if uh, we could have seen Nice and him instead of Nice and Tommy Taylor. <laughs> Just a random point. Um, I mean, like, he and Nakamura at Invasion Attack, I thought was fantastic. I mean, uh, if you have not seen that one, and I uh, still have doubts about Davey Boy Smith, I would highly recommend going anybody to watch that one. But, uh, match was fine. Um, like I say, it was a bit of a di- uh, disjointed brawl. And that since there were no tags, it was, you know, just complete mess for the most part. But it was at least enjoyable enough. And uh, Kojima picked up the win for him and Tenzon after pinning Archer. And part one in the ridiculous overrate, overration department on account of some people. Uh, in my opinion, he, at least. Yeah, well... Yeah, not, I, not as absurd as the one-two matches from now, but absurd yeah. nonetheless, in my opinion. Well, uh, ma- the match after this one, however, was not so good. Uh, it was uh, an NWA title match of Rob Conway defending against Manubu Nakanishi, uh, which is uh, continuing this NWA invasion angle that basically is just Rob Conway coming over. <laughs> well, well, Rob that... Conway is awful, so that makes it awful. I thought that he at least was a better half of this match. Um, Like, he at least tried to bring some stuff, but it was it, pretty... It would, be, it would be better if it was like Damian I thought, Wayne, or if it was Cahagas, it would be better. Like, I thought that at least with him and Kojima um, at Invasion Attack, I thought they at least had a pretty okay match. Unspectacular still, but it was certainly much better than this. And uh, it was short too, right? So. Um, yeah, I mean, there was one very awesome German suplex that Conway was pretty much killed by. But uh, ended up, uh, after some shenanigans with the evil NWA manager at ringside, uh, Conway managed to hit the ego trip on Nakanishi for the clean pin. Oh, well, not clean pin. Uh, for the pinfall victory. And from there, we move on. <laughs> Into Minoru Suzuki and Shelton Benjamin versus Shinzuka and Nakamura and Tomohiro Ishii, which um, I thought was a good match. Um, I was pretty 
very into, I should say, the final sequence between Benjamin and Nakamura. And there was some... Uh, the crowd got very electric towards the end, in particular, when uh, it looked like Minoru was going to go for uh, his finisher on... I want to say uh, it would have been on... Uh, it would have been on Nakamura, for sure. Because Anishi came off the, t- off the ropes and hit him with a lariat, and the crowd just sort of came unglued. Following also uh, Shelton busting out his leap-to-the-top rope uh, suplex on Nakamura, which uh, looked very, very good. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a very fun match overall. Shelton ended up picking up the pin. Um, I felt like this match, if it had actually gone a bit longer, it may have been even better. But I, I'm pretty confident in saying that I enjoyed this match, and it was good. Ben? No comments. None? None, None. at all? None. Really? Um, well, I mean, again, my stream, because... I, when I went back and watched the replay, I only watched Goto and Shibata. Um, so, I mean, but from what I saw, I mean, Minara Suzuki is awesome. Uh, and that's that's what I took away from the match. Uh, I want to uh, see Suzuki in, in more singles. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and, uh, Nakamura is also great. Um, Ishii, I've never necessarily been too high on, but he's been bringing it pretty recently, and I've honestly, I mean, at least uh, with the last couple pay-per-views, uh, I mean, Dotaku and this one, I thought Sheldon has put in good performances on both of them. I mean, I've never necessarily been a big Sheldon Benjamin guy at all, but... Uh, I, well, he's he's a, motivated here, so that's a big yeah, difference. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, he actually is, like, bringing it in the ring, and it's like, you can make, obviously, make the argument that there are uh, be- probably better guys that they could bring in but as long as he's actually at least delivering or trying, which is what he's doing, I'm okay with him. So, I mean, that's just how I look at it. But and this he's is in a tag situation as well. Yes, which does substantially help quite a bit. But uh, after this, we had intermission, and then we came back from intermission with. Uh, and that match was part two in the Overation Station uh, that I saw across the internet. Yeah. In my opinion, at least. Well, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good match, a very good match, but not that yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like it went twelve minutes and whatnot, and like I said, the last uh, quarter of it or whatever was a very hot sprint. But uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it at least. So, um, then uh, coming back from intermission, we had Tetsuya Naito versus Yujiro Takahashi, and uh, Naito's first match back after a long injury. And you can tell that uh, he was not exactly all there. They still had a good match, uh, mostly uh, from Ta- uh, uh, Takahashi's excuse me, control scheme. Uh, and then Naito managed to string back enough offense to beat him in, uh, with his uh, top rope uh, corkscrew that he does. And uh, I just hope that with uh, Naito, he can uh, spring back a bit and actually get back into being able to perform like he once did, because... Uh, he was on his way to uh, pretty big things, uh, especially following the Okada match last year. And then the injury unfortunately happened. And uh, uh, I mean, just in this one, you could tell that he was still a bit hurting. So, Yeah, which I don't know. I mean, how long has he been gone? How long has he been out? <sighs> well, several months at this point. Like, well, I don't uh, know how good that is, that he still looks like he might be hurting. Um, unless, of course, you know, there could be some selling there. Um, just from a perspective of, uh, you know, hey, let's uh, sell this idea that he's still maybe a little hurt. Um, I was very excited to see him back on the show. It was one yes. of the highlights when I was watching the stream live. Um, and uh, it was a pretty basic match. 
too, which is probably understandable as well. I mean, because this was the first, like, what be perceived as, like, big match back. Right. Um, so the fact that they didn't do a whole lot is, is fine, I guess. What, what are they doing on the next one? They're... Because we already talked about it. I'm pretty sure there's going to be two this weekend with Dragon Gate and New Japan, so there's going to be another one. But what's, like, the big match? I know they're doing, like, Masato Tanaka and some... Uh, is it Tanaka Nada? It might be that. Um... Which sounds awesome, of course. But regardless, I think he has a bigger match on the next big show, so that will be a more, you know, representative of maybe the NATO that we're going to get moving forward. Yes. Yeah, Oops. Um, however, the next match was, I thought, pretty fantastic. Of uh, Hiroki Goto versus uh, Shibata. The, the, this match was, uh, yeah. Uh, to, uh, what, ma- what match was it that I that we were comparing this to, or that I was comparing it to, that I didn't like, that everybody else loved? Nakamura Sakuraba from Wrestle Kingdom. Okay, I thought this match just, I thought it was... I don't want to say structured better, because that kind of goes against the point of what they're doing, but this one just flowed a lot better for me, and I thought the drama, like, the near falls in this were absurd. (laughs) Uh, Like, they did, like, three or four, like, some of the best near falls, just, like, the crowd was so invested, so it generated, like, I had a better sense of drama in this match than the one from Wrestle Kingdom, Um, and I just thought the one from Wrestle Kingdom was... I don't know. It's not that I didn't understand it. I mean, I thought I kind of knew what was going on, and I've listened to everybody's arguments for why they really liked it, and I see those things, but or at least I see what they're saying. It just didn't exactly, I don't know, didn't do it for me as much. But this one, you know, which I feel like was a similar goal, certainly did. thought this was fantastic. Yeah, uh, like the way that, uh, I mean, with Shibata having uh, the background that he does, he's completely able to... uh, Work wrestling uh, very very well. Like some of his strike, uh, some of the strikes in general in this match between him and Goto were just absolutely ridiculous. Like some of the head, uh, there was one particular headbutt. Oh, and from... when the crowd, when you have like that many people in a building, and the crowd was hot at some points as they were in this match, and for you to be able to hear that headbutt, yeah, like, wow. yeah, it was just very very devastating, and. Uh, uh, the finish came when uh, Shibata locked on a tight sleeper hold and uh, lo- um, brought uh, Goto to the mat and then nailed Goto with one final kick to the head, which was just... To, to call it a war would be a massive understatement to this match, uh, and I would highly recommend going out your way to see it. I would almost... If not for um, the three Tanahashi main events that uh, New Japan has had this year uh, with uh, the two Okada ones and the Carl Anderson one. This would probably be my favorite match for New Japan this year. But it didn't go long enough. If only they had went five more minutes, they could have given it five stars. <sighs> yes, of course. <laughs> but No, yes. I have not heard that complaint for this particular match, but it's kind of the same thing. See, I was doing the reverse, but... <laughs> Then uh, we got to the final two matches, which you have not seen, I know, but... Uh, Probably number... would have been a good idea to watch them before we did this, but... Uh, it's, well, I mean, it's fine. You, you we could have watched some of the Columbus stuff from ROH. Yeah, I could have, but... Um, number one contenders match of Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Prince Devitt. Uh, Bullet Club at ringside. Prince Devitt's jacket in full form. <laughs> <laughs> Thought both of those needed to be noted. But... Uh, they had a very strong match, a very long match, but uh, from back in March. 
uh, Devin and Tanahashi. I did not feel that this one was as strong as that one, but it was still a very good match. However, when discussing the Bullet Club, they got very, very involved in this match at times, and it I felt it sort of took away from it. Like, <sighs> like they meddled through a lot of stuff throughout the first section of the match, and when you have uh, two guys of this caliber in the ring, like, that, I just find it very annoying, personally, to, like, try and take away from those two, especially when you're going to have Devitt go over in a very, very big win uh, to set up his future title match going forward. But, with that said, it was still a very good match. Uh, I mean, two, obviously, have great chemistry together. And, uh, Devitt won, I uh, think, to some, somewhat from interference, but he still got the win with a bloody Sunday. So, uh, at least overall thumbs up match. And then the main event of uh, Togi Makabe versus uh, Okada for the IWGP title, I thought was also... <laughs> Any show that did not have Goto and Shibata on it, this would be the best match on the show. It was like completely unique from anything that Okada has done uh, since he's uh, made his big return to Japan. Like, uh, it was basically just Okada trying to do everything he can to uh, pretty much kill Makabe, not not completely, but... <laughs> I mean, like, he could not keep Makabe down. But uh, Makabe made his comeback with some major brawling on ringside, including putting Okada through the table. Um, but Okada ended up hitting the tombstone, picked up Makabe for a vicious rainmaker to uh, get the win. And uh, what I thought was a really great match to cap off the show... And after the match, Devitt and Bullet Club came out to confront Okada face-to-face and, and lay down the challenge for next month. And that match, oof. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very exciting. <laughs> I mean, in terms of just personality in a match, I don't think it gets much bigger in New Japan than that. I really want to look up the next cards. Um, or at least the ones for this weekend, because we've already alluded to it like five times. Do you know the name of them by chance? <sighs> Not offhand, unfortunately. I know that this is, like, very, very unprofessional on my part. I should be yes. knowing. Oh, we're both doing it. Like. Um, we are both looking for the next card. I have no idea. But I know the ne- I, there's. I'm pretty sure there's one this weekend. I'm almost positive. I mean, uh, they're, uh... I want to say on the 5th that they're at least doing uh, Devin and Gato. Like on, and that uh, is on pay per view, right? I'm not crazy I, when I say that. I I don't think so, though. Okay. So I mean, like uh, the next pay per view date would be July twentieth, where they're doing uh, Okada and Devin, and then that's where they're doing. The, I don't know why it didn't occur to me when you brought it up earlier. Nagata and Sakuraba, which is going to be completely wild. Um, they're doing uh, Goto and Shibata again. Uh, Tanahashi, Togi Makabe, and Liger, and Captain New Japan versus Carl, El Terrible, Tamatanga, and Bad Luck Fail. Yeah. Uh, La Sombra, Nakamura. Uh, oh, there's uh, your match, Masato Tanaka and Na- Naito. Boom, I was right. Yep. I'm so impressed. Um, Tenzan and Kojima versus Yano and Izuka. Uh, Minoru Suzuki and Ishii. Um, uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Title Defense of uh, Forever Hooligans against Takamichi Noku and Taichi. And Manubu Nakanishi versus ha- and Hanma Tiger Mask and Kushida versus Takahashi Yoshihashi Jado and Gato. Yeah, that's gonna be a very very fun show. 
Shocking, I know. Friday but. at 5 a.m., New Japan I pay-per-view, and Dragon Gate Thursday at 4 a.m. Yes. Yes, so, there it is. Suck it. Um, well, here, and here's the lineup. <laughs> See, I had to go to Twitter, cause, and I had to like do like two or three different searches uh, to find it. Oh, of course, there's an ad, and I have to wait for it to go away so that I can pull up this card. Uh, um, it happens. That was the card for the 20th, right, that you just mentioned? Yes. Okay. So here's the lineups for what's happening this weekend, because we've talked so much about them, so I feel like I'm obligated to mention this before we conclude the show. Uh, also, I pay-per-views this weekend. Check out FIP, right? Yes, which, uh, with the most wacky four-way freestyle since the uh, infamous four-way freestyle from uh, Dayton, o- Dayton, Ohio, final, final showdown. showdown. Yes, from Ring April, of Honor in 2005. May, May of 2005. Yes. Pretty sure. Uh, with uh, Jessica Havoc, Latin Dragon, Maxwell Chicago, and Amasis. It's just a three-way. Latin Dragon's not actually in the match. No, he <laughs> is, but just don't... Yeah, forget that part. Um, but and, uh, also, uh, Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say FIP title defense of John Davis versus Trent Beretta. Uh, Jonathan Gresham uh, defending his belt from 0-1 against Lindsay Dorado. I am really uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, actually. it's going to be quite good match. Um, That's a real styles clash, and I like... Because Gresham can pick it up, too, but he's going to slow it down. And then Lindsay, I mean, that's just a very... Should be a very fun match. And I have faith that they'll actually put it in the position to be good, and it'll probably have a good finish, too. There's no reason there should be any shenanigans or something stupid, but... Indeed, and the tag title match of uh, Bendejos defending against the KOA of Aaron Epic and Sugar Duckerton and the Bravado Brothers. And before the Bravados go to Europe... Really? They're going to be in Europe for a month and a half. Yeah, they're not going to be at the Dragon Gate uh, USA double shot in uh, New York, at least. Uh, wow. I don't remember the dates. They posted them on Twitter, and I guess they posted it on Facebook as well. And I think it's for like a month, month and a half stretch, but I think they're leaving in like uh, maybe next week or the week after. So good for the bravados. Yeah, very good Getting for Getting more work all over the place. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like us promoting more random iPay-per-views like FIP. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, well, like they're gonna, it's it should be a very fun show. I feel like it's sort of a very poor date. Yes, unfortunately, because <laughs> uh, I mean, I will be out of town, so I will not be able to uh, make the trek to the Orpheum. I will be in town, not in Ybor City or around Tampa, but I will be in the state. And normally it would be okay, but it's the day after July Fourth. So. Yeah, I'm, not exactly I mean. Favorite. No, not quite, but it should be a fun show. Definitely worth checking out. Because uh, uh, I can do all I can to uh, talk about how good John Davis has been this year. So, yeah. um, Well, uh, I do, before we close up, I do want to talk about the lineup for Dragon Gate this weekend. Uh, I'm going to mention like a couple matches, I guess. The double main, I guess, as it could be perceived as, is Tazawa and Shingo, and then they're doing an open lottery 10-man tag. Teams will be picked at ringside before the match. From these competitors, Shima, Mochizuki, Sato, Jimmy Susumu, Don Fuji, Doi, Yamato, Masato Yoshino, BB Hulk, and Uha Nation. So, everything been, else looks like crap, so I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> I've been very behind on Dragon Gate Japan this year. I need well, to catch up. Everybody is, because it's impossible to watch it. Unfortunately. <sighs> yeah. Well, on note of uh, Dragon Gate, though, we now have two matches announced for Dragon Gate uh, USA in July. Two matches? Yes, uh, okay, we're going to do a bit of a breaking news. Uh, in Queens, New York, on uh, July 27th, will be Akira Tozawa versus Tony Nese. 
And then in Manhattan on July 28th... This is breaking news for me, too. Yes. Open the United Gate tag team title match of the Young Bucks defending against Ricochet and Rich Swan, which should be very wild. Yeah. Didn't uh, PWG just do that match? I don't think they did. Um, they... No, they did on DDT4 in the opener. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, yeah, that was very good, actually. Wasn't yes. That, like, uh, one of the highlights of the shows? I thought it was the best match of the show. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, so. those DDT4s, I don't know, there's a lot of tag matches on those shows, so sometimes I forget them, but... It happens, but regardless, yeah, I mean, and we're going to get... Uh, there should be some more uh, match confirmations later today uh, on uh, those two shows at the end of the month. Uh, in addition to hopefully some more match confirmations for PWG 10, uh, as well as BOLA, which are coming up in August. If you want to briefly talk about that. Oh, boy. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, may as well. Because, uh, whew, that double main event is... If you're going to be in Reseda, I very much so fear for your life for those two. I'm looking at potentially going to BOLA, and I don't even know if I will be able to go on account of the fact that I don't even know if the building is still going to be there following PWG 10. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, it's just going to be wrecked to the ground. Uh, if it's not wrecked to the ground from the guerrilla warfare of It's uh, going to be like the drink. World War 3 1995 pay-per-view banner. Yeah. It's <laughs> very, very true, For, honestly. That was in reference, by the way, to an article currently on WWE.com. You'll probably have to search for it, but top worst, what was it? Top 10, Wor- bottom 10 worst pay-per-view Wor- banners. Yeah, worst pay-per-view posters. Of all time, yeah. so check that out. And that was one of them, and it was like yeah. a house, and it was like crumbling, and I could picture that being the Legion Hall in Reseda, California. Yes, where if that, that gorilla, if that gorilla warfare doesn't do it, the ladder match of uh, Young Bucks versus Dojo Bros versus Inner City Machine Guns will almost certainly well, do certainly it. Certainly for- the one-two punch combination of the two. I can't see it. I can't see it being any other way. Right. And we at least have ACH confirmed for Bola making his Reseda debut, which is very, very exciting because there's a lot of uh, lot of good matches that it could be done for him. So, And we got still have 15 other names that we need confirmed for those shows. So very exciting times in the lovely state of California. And hopefully it'll be better than uh, June was for independent wrestling in general when you're referencing iPay-per-views because at least are, which we need to talk about the fact that they will not be doing iPay-per-view anymore and it's not exactly like AIW went off with a hitch this past uh, Sunday. So. Even uh, Evolve 21, Jacksonville had problems. And Evolve 21 for Jacksonville had um, very horrible issues that people could not even watch the show at all. So. Right. So. Uh, at least with ROH, you could like watch it buffer. Uh, <laughs> at least with uh, Absolution uh, 8, I guess it kind of went in and out. With Evolve 21, I think you had to watch like Pixelation. So that's what you got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, team DVD. Team, hashtag Team DVD. The originators <laughs> with uh, Mike Falcone and Mike versus Philly and George Hazar. Yes. George Georgie Man. Yes. Georgie <laughs> he, is, dude. he is upgraded. George, yes. Oh, but only when he has his beard. <laughs> but with that said, I think that is a good time to close. FreeAdmissionFR.com at FreeAdmissionFR. I am Hollywood underscore times two on Twitter for that guy. At Winter Kenobi. 